Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for um, the testimonies this morning that you are glorified in that, that you are busy working amongst your saints in the church, that you um, are working all things together for good because we are the called and we're called according to your purposes, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. Is, it, is that Heather? No. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, that you work all things together for good. Um, we just uh, ask, Lord, that you would bless your word this morning, that you would anoint it by your Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning, that you would breathe the breath of your Holy Spirit upon this message, that it would not return void, but it would purpose uh, and do what you've sent it out to do, that you would um, empower your word through your Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I've been going through a Bible study on, on Wednesday nights, and, it, and the thrust of the message is, uh, in light of things that are going on in the world, what manner of persons ought we to be? You know, in the light of, you know, we talked about it this morning, uh, sang about it, that Jesus Christ is coming back. The gospel message is, Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose after three days. And the crowning uh, glory of that is he's coming back. You know, he says that he's coming back to take us to his own, um, and we'll be reunited with him in the heavenly glory. And that's a reality that is looming. Uh, if anybody uh, is familiar with the prophetic uh, scriptures, we see things are shaping up to bring that into fruition. And in our lifetimes, a lot of things are happening rapidly. Um, there's a scripture in... Um, Psalms 90 that I want to read um, in verse 7 of chap uh, chapter 90 it says this for we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we are terrified you have set our iniquities before you our secret sins in light of our countenance for our days have passed away in your wrath we finish our years like a sigh the days of our lives are 70 years and if by reason of strength they are 80 years Yet their boast is only in labor and sorrow, for in it we soon are cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger, for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain the heart of wisdom. So this scripture is talking about the brevity of life and the trials of life. We all go through things, and this life is not our best life now. If this is your best life now, that's a sad thing. Our best life is yet to come when we're called into heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Um, you know, this life, there's a lot of sorrows. You know, here we are celebrating Mother's Day. And I remember the day that I got the news that my mom had passed away uh, in a traffic accident. And it's such, such a shocking thing to endure. You know, it's just a... a a gut punch is something you don't you don't um, expect it's one thing when somebody is um, sick over a prolonged period of time but my mom was on her way uh, on her way back from school that morning and she got into an accident a really a freak accident and ended up dying you know and I don't say that to be a bummer about Mother's Day but I think to myself nobody loves you like your mother does 
A mother, a mother birthed uh, a child for nine months, carried that baby, you know, and you see how uncomfortable it is towards the end of that term. And then, you know, all the work that it entails, it says that a mother is in travail because she knows that her time to birth is soon. But after the baby is born, all of a sudden there's this joy, like I brought a life into the world. That's what the Bible says about that event. And that's true. And yet there's so much... um, uh, trials and, and, and uh, there's a lot of sacrifice that a mother would give in birthing that child. You know, the other day I was in town and I was in front of um, uh, Lowe's and there was this guy there and he, you could see that he didn't have his mental capacity and he was probably a drug burnout and he's in, you know, tattered clothes and he's kind of mumbling as people are walking into the store. And the reality hit me that that's somebody's child. You know, when you see that, it just kind of, it's like somebody nurtured that baby. And here we see this person on the street, and in that condition, it's, it's a tragedy when you see that. But nobody's going to love you like your mother. You know, nobody's going to nurture you like a mother. You know, a mother is, uh, we get familiar with their cooking. You know, we're, we know that, you know, when I was younger, I remember the first thing that I would do coming through the door, what's for dinner, you know, and you knew uh, your mom was able to cook some good stuff, and you'd look forward to that. And the reality of it is, there is somebody who loves us more than a mother, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and God the Father. He loves us more, because he knows everything about us, but his, his uh, banner over us is love. He loves us dearly. You know, this scripture that I just read in Psalms 90, it's talking about, like I said, the brevity of life, that it says, you know, the, the average span of a life, you know, you might average it out here in America, maybe a little bit longer, but it says 70 years, three score and 10, which is a score is, is 20, so three, that would be 60 plus 10 is 70 years, and by reason of strength, maybe 80 you know, so we're looking at, as an average, you know, that's kind of a bulb. You know, there's a scripture that talks about, it's in Luke 21, and it talks about the nation of Israel re, being regathered in the land in the last days. And that happened in 1948, where they were recognized as a nation. And that's like the timepiece to the prophetic uh, prophecies being fulfilled, that it says, in the latter days, I would gather my people back into the land. And we are the people that have seen that reality before, People would spiritualize a lot of the scriptures because they go, Israel doesn't exist anymore. They're not in the land. They've been scattered. And yet in our lifetime, we've seen them regathered into the land and uh, come back from the diaspora and they're occupying their land. And it says there's a lot of specific things that are going to be happening during this time in the last days, the Bible calls it. That there would be a lot of uh, signs that would be happening. And it says, as the tree, the fig tree starts to put out little leaves, you know that summer is nigh. He says that the generation that sees these things beginning to happen will not pass until all these things are completed. You know, so you say to people where you talk about the return of the Lord, and they say, well, they've been talking about that since the time of Paul. But there is prophetic scriptures that are time-locked that are being unfolded in our lifetime right now. Lots of them. Lots of things are happening right now. You know, one of the other things that the Bible talks about is it would be a time of, it would be a perilous time. You know, it'd be a time of apostasy, which means the faith turning away, or the the church turning away from the true faith and going after a, a corrupted version of this. You know, we're hearing of ministers, you know, doing stuff, and it's just like, or, or longtime ministers and just 
saying, you know what, I'm not a believer anymore. I don't believe in God. We see the things that are going on in the church, and I'm not going to go into detail here, but I'm just saying that we're seeing these things happening in, these, in this day, in this age. And, um, you know, what, what manner of persons ought we to be in light of all these things happening in the world around us? What security can we take from this word? What security can we take from a very insecure world? What can we, you know, when we were a, ch- when we were a child, we would run home, and, um, you know, be comforted in the arms of our mother. She would, you know, gather us up and comfort us. You know, you had a hard day at school or people tease you or whatever. And a mother would be there to comfort you and understand, you know, where you're at. And who do you go to now in this type of world that we have right now? Sorry, my, my daughter. Hey, Heather. <laughs> hey, Heather. <laughs> Our daughter is is in the National Guard. Um, basic training right now. She's got she's probably got another five weeks of training, and she only gets a a half an hour on Sunday morning. Normally she tries to call earlier, but I guess this is where her rotation is. So uh, sorry for the interruption, but um, she has to call her mom on Mother's Day. So let me collect my thoughts. So. Where do we find this comfort? Where do we find the security that we're looking for in this time, in this age, where everything looks like it's up for grabs? You know, who would have believed that we would be, um, you know, they, they shut down the church a year ago. The church was not allowed to meet because they were so concerned about this uh, COVID-19. And, you know, we were doing online services. And the blessing that came out of that is we're broadcasting and it's going out on the internet. So that's a good thing. And um, hallelujah, it kind of expanded our bubble a little bit. But, you know, we were not allowed or we were just like, how serious is this thing? So we kind of deemed it to uh, have church be, you know, just kind of uh, virtual for a while. And we we finally came to the place where, you know, we need to be meeting. The Bible commands us in Hebrews, it says, and not forsaking the assembling of one, one with another, but even so much more as we see that day approach. That day he's talking about is the day of the Lord, the day when the Lord Jesus Christ would shout from heaven with a trumpet blast, and we were, uh, in Christ would be raised up and uh, together with him. This is what the Bible says about this time. It's very important. But in the meantime... You know, how are we to survive in this environment now where, you know, there's so many things that are in question. You know, the economy, you know, everybody's saying, well, we're spending too much money. We printed up all this cash and they're looking at the economy to, to kind of tank here. And you're wondering, where is this all going about this virus, this thing that's going on with this COVID and the restrictions on our way of life and how we're going to navigate through this? And the Word of God is uh, solid to this. The Word of God is our fortress to this. Our Word of God is our light and our guiding um, uh, uh, thing to guide us through these times of trouble. Amen? I want to read um, Psalms 91. You remember about three years ago, maybe more, that I commended this church and I said, we should, we should commit this psalm to memory. You remember when I said that? Doesn't it make a lot more sense now? This three years later, and what I'm going to read through here, um, this is something that I did. I'm not good at memorizing stuff, you know. I, you know, when when I was in high school, I couldn't even remember the times tables, and I had to rely on my peachy folder on the back. They had that little thing over there, and it's like, you know, I, I'm sorry to say that, but. That <laughs> 
that kind of dates me, I guess, right there. But that's the reality. But I said, I'm going to memorize this thing. I'm going to memorize it. And I have. I've committed it to memory because I believe it's important. I believe that it's a covering. I believe that God's word is powerful. I believe that God's word is a shield. I believe that God watches over his word to perform his word. And if we speak his word, when we need that power, that God is able to perform his word. That he works within that. It says that God has placed his word, uh, he's, he's honored his word above his name even. His word, he watches over his word to perform it. Amen? Amen. Let me read... Um, this is Psalms 91. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. So right off the top, it's talking about abiding in the presence of God. What is abiding? Abiding means that this is our focal point. This is our refuge. This is our place of solitude with the Lord. This is a place where we go to in trials of life, in good times. We go to the Lord in his word. We spend time with him. Abiding takes time. That we make it a priority in our life. He who dwells in that secret place of the Most High. We know from the Gospel of Matthew that it says that when you pray don't be like the hypocrites who love to stand on the corner and do these long prayers and they they have their reward from men but it says when you pray go into your secret place and close the door behind you and your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly this is what god is looking for he's looking for the inner portion of our heart does he occupy that does he occupy that, that place that is not performance, but this is, Lord, this is you. This is what I give to you. Not for show, but this is who I, I am. You know, this, this is where um, you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you have such a relationship where you know, hey, when I screw up, I can go to him, and he's going to make it right. As I confess my sins, it makes it right. And this is the place where he wants us to be dwelling with him. Amen? That's a good thing. You know, that's like a mother right there where he's hovering over us. He's watching over us. And we just, all he wants, he wants that relationship. He wants us to be connected to him. And, um, you know, there's uh, the promise of the word of God for those who dwell in that place. You know, I was looking up that word dwelling and uh, I came across a few scriptures. This is in Exodus 8, uh, 21 to 23. And this was during the time of the plagues when uh, God or Moses was talking to Pharaoh and he was saying, you know what, it's time to let the people go. And he says, if you won't let them go, there's going to be some, some judgments that are going to be coming your way. Until the break, you know, he, he, Pharaoh kept hardening his heart and hardening his heart and hardening his heart. And um, this is what it says in Exodus 8, 21, 23. It says, or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and the people and on your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and the people. Tomorrow this, this sign shall be. Isn't that an amazing scripture? That God could assign the flies. You go over to the Egyptian. You go harass them. But in Goshen where the, where the Israelites were, no flies. 
No flies over there. God knows how to make a distinction between those who dwell with him and those who don't dwell with him. Amen? Amen. This is the importance of this word. Exodus 10, 21. Then the Lord said, uh, Moses, stretch out your hand towards heaven that there may be darkness over the land. So Pharaoh was so hardened in his heart. He says, well, you know, so what if we got flies? You know, my, my uh, magicians can do that kind of stuff too. And then he just keeps ratcheting this thing and ratcheting it up. And he says, you know, um, okay, we're going we're gonna to hit you up with another uh, plague here, another uh, judgment. It says darkness over the land of the, Egypt, uh, of the Egyptian, darkness that may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hands towards the heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt. Three days they did not see one another, nor did any of them rise from their place. There was um, for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Isn't that amazing that God is able to make that distinction between those who are serving him and those who are not serving him, even in a time of judgment? Hallelujah. In Exodus eleven seven, it says, Against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptian and Israel. This was talking about when he proposed that there would be the death of the firstborn, that the, de that the Lord, it says, would come down at about 12 o'clock, and the death angel would come through there, and everyone who... Uh, did not have the blood over their doorposts that this death angel came in. And he says, on the children of Israel, not even a dog would bark against them because there was such a distinction between them. Exodus twelve seven is what it says. It says, they shall uh, take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat of it. And now the blood shall be a sign for you and the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when it strikes uh, the land of Egypt. That's why when we appropriate the blood of Christ, when we took communion this morning, it's synonymous with, it's a, a reckoning back to this event, which was a precursor to the cross where Jesus shed his blood and he covered our sin. It's like we have the blood of Christ over our doorposts of our heart. We're covered so that this death angel passes over. He passes over us and he doesn't ascribe us the judgments that the world is ascribed to. This is what these, these types and shadows to precursor when Christ came and he fulfilled these things. It says um, in Colossians 1.19, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. When you have Christ, you have the fullness of God dwelling in Jesus Christ in flesh. God in flesh. So Jesus is unlike any other person that walked the earth. He's God in the flesh. It says, for him, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Principality and power is like all authority, angels, dominions, things that are created, things that we don't see. Jesus is the head of all that. Because he was willing to sacrifice, you know, give himself as a sacrifice. He said that he was willing to die, but not only die, but die the death of a cross. A real cruel and, and abused death. And it says, but he's been exalted to the highest place in heaven. And if we're in Christ, it says in Ephesians that we're seated in Christ. We're seated in heavenly places for us to die as gain. 
This is as bad as it gets for a Christian right now. For us to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If anybody's outside of Christ, this is as good as it gets right now. So people need to understand who Jesus Christ is. Amen? Uh, Psalm 25, 5. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures this morning. It says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me on high upon a rock. If we're in Christ, we have that promise that this word is, is Lord, um, there's nothing coming into my life that you didn't foreordain and you knew that that was coming my way and you've made provision for me. You made a way for me, even in um, trials, even in uncertain times, that we can have confidence, that we can have confidence in the Lord that this isn't upsetting to him. Like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That we should have that peace. That it says that one of the things the Lord is looking for when he comes back for his people. He says, I'm looking for a people without spot or wrinkle. You are not contaminated with the things of the world. But also a people who are at peace. Even in the midst of turmoil. You remember when Jesus said to his disciples, he says, We're gonna, let's cross over to the other side. And you remember what happened? They all got into the boat. And a storm came up. And Jesus is in the back, asleep on some pillows back there. And these guys are fishermen. They're accustomed to the, the storms that would come down in the Sea of Galilee. And this boat is rocking. And they're thinking, we're filling up with water. We're going to go to the bottom. And they wake up, just get up, get up. And he says, what? what's up? He goes, don't you care that we're going to drown? And he looks at them and says, didn't I say we're going over to the other side? Right? And he stands up right there and he, he, he stands up and he speaks to the wind and the wave and he says, Peace be still. And all of a sudden, all that raging wind and all the waves just went, boom. And he goes, There was a great calm. That there's probably the water just lapping against the side of the boat at that point. Can you imagine being there and seeing that? And they marveled. They're like, Who is this guy? Because they're just working out their understanding of who this man that they're hanging this god man who has command over the wind and the waves and just stilled the waters one word boom came out of his mouth and stilled the waters they're like wow who is this guy he's god in the flesh he's god in the flesh amen uh chapter or verse 2 in psalms 91 it says i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in him will i trust that he is trustworthy. That it says in Hebrews that it's impossible for him to lie. When God says it, he means it. And if we can hang on to it, God is looking for a people of faith that will take him at his word and appropriate it into our lives. And we'll see the results of that. Amen? Amen. It says um, in Psalms 46, this is another one I want to commit to memory. The Lord really spoke through this psalm in our lives about being still and know that, knowing that he is God in the midst of some very severe circumstances. You know, to just to be, to know that he's on the job despite the fact that you don't see him working, but knowing from the past that God has been faithful in the past, I'm assuming he's going to be faithful in the future. Therefore, let me rest in this knowledge that God, you're on the job. Amen. Let me read this. It says, Our God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. You know, I look at a lot of videos on YouTube. 
Um, having to do with prophetic stuff, I, we watch at our Bible study sometimes the two preachers. One of the things that I'm noticing these days, and I don't know if this, is pro- this prophecy is being fulfilled, I'm seeing a lot of mountains just crumbling. Anybody watching this kind of stuff on YouTube? I, did I ever see this before? I don't remember seeing videos where huge sides of mountains just there, and all of a sudden the thing just, boom, just slides off. And it's, I don't know if this scripture is being fulfilled right now. You know, what's causing this stuff? I don't remember seeing these sorts of things before. Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, God hold up Haleakala. You know, we're, <laughs> we're kind of partial to this mountain here. Um, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, is it because of all the volcanic activity that's going on in the earth? You know, there's probably like 50 something active volcanoes right now around the world. It says, There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place, in the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come and behold the works of the Lord who has made desolate the earth. He makes wars to cease. He ends the, to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. This is the place we want to run in troublous times. We want to get as close to the Lord as possible because that's where peace is available to each one of us. It's like when you see a tornado or a, a tornado coming and you're thinking, Where, what should I do? And you want to run. Actually, the safest place to be in, in a hurricane is in the eye of that hurricane, to be in the very center of that action where it's swirling chaos around you, but you're right there in the midst of it. And God has preserved us as the body of Christ, as the apple of his eye. He has his eyes upon us as his church and we can take that to the bank amen it says surely he verse 3 it says surely she'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence pestilence you know i don't know if this thing that we're facing right now would would um survive the um dissection of a pestilence i mean they surely have bumped it up to that they really are trying to make it into something, I think, much greater than what it really is. And there's a lot of control being put upon the populations, not only the United States, but of the world right now. You know, And they're trying to uh, restrict travel, and they would love to say, oh, here's your um, vaccination card, and unless you get uh, stuck with this thing, that you're not going to travel. You know, I mean, they would love to put all this control on us. And it's just like, it's, as you look into this, there's a lot more going on there than meets the eye. It says perilous pestilence. A pestilence is uh, defined as a contagion, contagious or infectious epidemic disease that is virulent and devastating. They said that the death toll from last year was the same of this year. There wasn't any boost of people who died. So I don't think that this thing really meets the standard of a uh, you know, of a pandemic is what they're trying to purport. They're boosting this thing up to bring control. In fact, what's, what we're seeing right now, we're seeing the infrastructure being put in place for the new world order and the beast system that the Bible talks about. That's what's happening right now. Let's just get straight. So, but the Lord has a plan for us. Even if there was real perilous pestilence, there was a time in the world, um, you know, in, in 19... 
17 or 18, the Spanish flu that killed a massive amount of people. You know, and this psalm is going to go on to say that ten, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. That's the covering of the word of God. That's the covering of faith that we can have faith in, in real, real pandemics, real pestilence. It shall not come near. You can see a thousand fall at your left and 10,000 at your right hand. But he promises if we appropriate this with faith, we speak it, that it, it will not come near us. That sounds outrageous. But that's what the word of God says, Right. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings, verse 4, under his wings he, he shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. A shield, the, the first um, element of the armor of God is the belt of truth. That everything that we speak, we're about the truth. His word is the truth. That God's word is the truth. We should be about, we shouldn't be liars. We should be truthful people in what we speak. We should be people of character. What we say, we mean and it says that that's the first element of the armor of God. It's the belt of truth. But then the other thing is, is above all, taking up the shield of faith, a shield, it says it's able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. It says a shield is a big shield, and then a buckler is a small shield. If you're doing hand-to-hand -hand combat, and you got a big shield and a small shield. So his promises to us, he'll be a shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Isn't that a word that we're all so familiar with now? The word terror, terrorism, terror, you know, it's a terrorism, you know, and um, it says that we're not to be afraid of that sort of thing. In fact, it says in the Bible that it says no way that we should be uh, fearful of our enemies, but the fact that we're not, it's, it's an evidence that we have Christ in our heart, and it's an evidence of them, of their destruction. I saw a video just the other day in um, Oregon, somewhere, uh, Portland, that these Black Lives Matter are out in the street now because the police have been pushed to the point where they've been neutered and they're standing down and these guys are armed in the middle of intersections and just stopping cars in the middle of the street with, with uh, AR-15s and whatever and pulling the people out of the car and beating them. Did you guys see this video? It's, it's anarchy. It's chaos. It's lawlessness. Another sign of what the Lord said it would be like in these days. But we can appropriate the peace of God, the justice of God, and command, if we see that kind of action going on, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this action. In the, we can take authority over the principality that is causing that kind of mess. That's the authority we have in the name of Jesus. This is what I'm trying to say. This is power. The word of God is power. When we are appropriated in faith in our hearts. We were over here one night on a prayer, prayer night. And there was a ruckus, or it was a Bible study, a ruckus in the parking lot. I don't know, apparently something went down in the basketball game over there. And this guy didn't like the way this one was talking to them. And it turned into a melee. All these people in the parking lot screaming. And it looked like it was going to go to blows any minute. And Pastor Gretchen and I are here in the Bible study. We go, what's what? That doesn't sound like cheering for basketball. That sounds like a fight. So we went out in the parking lot. And as we were walking over there, preaching, praying in tongues. And I said, in the name of Jesus... We take authority over this situation. And that thing went from a 10 down to here. Next thing you know, we're all gathering hands and praying together out in this parking lot. The power of the name of God. Didn't that happen? That's a good, it did happen. Can I get a witness? <laughs> you 
You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. You know, you pray this and meditate on it and think, man, Lord, you put this here for a purpose. You put this psalm here for a purpose. This psalm was written by Moses, wandering in the wilderness. And then they made the tabernacle. They got the instruction to make the tabernacle, this tent in the middle of the wilderness. And this secret place, this, this sanctuary of a tent made out of goat skins and all this linen and this and that. And all this very specific with the Holy of Holies, with the Ark of the Covenant and the, the presence, the Shekinah glory of God within there. And this is what inspired this psalm right there. That there is a place, there's a place, and we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That this is abiding, when God abides in us, that we can call upon his presence and we can call down his power. We can appropriate his authority. We can appropriate his power. We can take dominion over principalities and powers. We could, you know, I heard stories about men of God during real plagues, bubonic plague, that they would take that, that, that mess on them, whatever the, the, the thing that was conveyed or different, and put it on their skin and then the doctor check it and the thing dies because these people are sanctified. To the purposes of God. I, I read something and I, I don't know if I can verify this, but it's very interesting. I heard it before and I tried to search it and it says that there was a unit and I think it was a British unit during World War I. It was unit uh, or uh, it was num 91 was the name of their, the number of their unit. And this commander, he said, since we're 91, he made, uh, he gave out cards for everybody in the unit, Psalms 91, and gave it to every single one of these guys. And be every day that they would recite that psalm, and it says that their unit suffered zero casualties during the war. And other units of the same thing in the battles that they were up to 90% casualty. Is the word of God powerful? When we appropriate it in faith, it's powerful. God wants, he's looking, he says, I'm looking, my eyes are scanning to and fro throughout the whole earth to show myself on behalf of those whose heart is with him, loyal to him, who wants, Lord, I want, I want to see, he says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek. Hallelujah. That he wants to manifest himself in a great way. And I think this time in history would be a great time for God to manifest himself in a great way. It says, behold, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness. But the light of God is going to rise up in his people. And the healing is going to be in our wing. And the Gentiles will come to the rising of our glory. Because they're out of answers. The mass and his darkness overtaken and it's like you look like you know what you're talking about you look like you know what you have had. how come you're not all freaked out how come you got peace because i know jesus christ i know my name is written in the lamb's book of life i know if i die it's gain there is no fear he hasn't given us a spirit of fear but a power and a love and a sound mind that we don't have to have anxiety. I remember the first time when I was recovering from this in, uh, injury, and I told this story before, I was at home by myself, and all of a sudden this flood of anxiety hit me. And I never had a panic attack in my life. I always felt like I was a pretty together person. But all of a sudden, I'm in my, in, in my, back, you know, back, my house by myself, and all of a sudden it just hit me, what's going to happen to you now? You lost your business. 
You're, you're probably going to lose your house. You're in constant pain. What are you going to do? Don't you wish you could die? And I'm sitting there and all these, these dark thoughts just came on me like a flood. And it looked like I was peering over into the abyss. At any minute I was going to fall into the abyss and just keep falling. It felt like I was going to go insane. Anybody been there before? Yeah. Yeah, hallelujah. So you know what I'm talking about. You feel like you're a trapped animal. I feel like I'm in a cage, man, and, and, and I'm running out of air. And I, I just sat there and I thought, Lord, you, haven't, you didn't give this to me. Lord, I need your help right now. And I felt this thing just lift off of me. He's our ever-present help in the time of trouble. He says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will give me glory. Yes. That's why we give testimony over here because God is moving in this church. God is doing stuff in this church and we give a place to give God glory because he's manifesting in this church. Amen. A thousand may fall at your sight, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. The Bible said I've been doing is making the distinction between the sons of disobedience and the sons of obedience. We want to make sure we're on the right side. We're walking in faith. We're walking in, in, in obedience to the Lord because he's shaking things down right now. And why do we want to be disobedient right now? We want to be obedient to the Lord. Amen. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. The Lord put this on my heart. Tell the church to memorize this psalm. Three, four years ago, memorize this psalm. Memorize this psalm. Look at the stuff we're looking at right now. The craziness in this world. It says... No evil shall befall you, verse 10, nor any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You remember where that scripture is mentioned in the New Testament? Where Jesus, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he went into the wilderness and he said when he was weak, the devil came up because that's, how, that's his, his MO. That's the way he rolls. When you're weak, he comes up. If you're really the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus hits him with scripture. He said, man shall not um, survive by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the, precedes out of the mouth of God. And then he takes him up on a high pinnacle. And he says, if you are the son of God, why don't you cast yourself off? Look at what a great miracle that would be. You would, you would throw yourself off and you would hover and you just barely touch the ground because the psalm says... Then he will give his angels charge over thee, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And the Lord says, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. The right application to the scripture. Not to go throw yourself in a perilous situation. The Lord said, this is tempting the Lord. We aren't to do that stuff, right? There's a right application to that. And the last one was, all you need to do is bow down and worship me. All these kingdoms will be given to you. Everything. I have it at my disposal. The devil is called the prince of this world right now. And there's people that have made that deal with him. This says all this. What, what do you want? You want fame? You want money? You want girls? You want cars? You want houses? And there's people that will make that deal. But it's a bad deal because it's got a short shelf life. And he offered it to Christ. He said, you can have all these kingdoms here, Jesus. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him alone. And he knew what he was going to do. He was bringing it through the cross. He was bringing us salvation through the cross. Hallelujah. 
Because you've made the Lord even the most high your dwelling. No evil shall be followed, nor any plague come near your dwelling. For he give his angels charge over you to keep you in all the ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Isn't that a good word right there? That the Lord knows our number. That when we call up, it's not like the Lord calls, I got to call up the Lord right now. And he says, oh, that's just so and so. Let it ring. (laughs) You will call upon me and I'll answer. The Lord will answer that phone. He'll answer that call. He says it in his word. He says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I'm 50, 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. The name of Jesus is powerful. There are so many stories, man. So many stories that we call upon the name of the Lord at that moment. We shared one of them that time that I got into the accident. In the day of trouble, I hit that guy on the motorcycle and he was laid out on the street. He was dead. I talked to him. He said, I was standing behind my, beside my body looking at myself over there. And there was blood coming off, running down the road. And both my wife and I, in the, Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, right now, help us right now. Called the prayer line. The prayer team started praying right there. We were praying. We actually went down there, laid hands on him. He, boom, he came up out of it. Medevaced him to Honolulu. Five specialists waiting for him because he was in such bad condition. And we continued to pray. As he's in there, uh, in the emergency room, uh, a a a skull or or a head injury specialist, an eye specialist, uh, internal bleeding specialist, uh, I mean a brain specialist, all these doctors, like five of them waiting to receive this guy. As we prayed, all of a sudden they go, wow, we're looking at this. The the internal bleeding stopped on its own. I'm out. The, the, The internal bleeding doctor's gone. Okay. Oh, yeah, we look like there's some... Well, no, the scan looks like his brain is all right. There's no, there's no need for the, the brain surgeon now. Boom, he's out. The next guy, oh, there was something that was, that was um, possibly going to cut an artery in his neck over here. A bone was out of, oh, okay, that put itself right. The eye specialist, oh, all the bones in the eye socket went back in place. Yeah. True, story. True story. This happened. Can I get a witness? Yeah. <laughs> this happened. He's back on the island on Thursday. Saw him on Sunday. Looked like maybe he got into a fight. He had a little cut over his eye. God hears us. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will answer you and you will glorify me. This happened. These things happen. It's the same. Terry Mize, a minister, uh, an evangelist in Mexico, picked up a hitchhiker. And the guy grabs a gun and says, Pull over, I'm taking your car. He goes, no, you're not. He looks at him like, what? You're crazy, you gringo. And he goes, no, I, I'm a Christian and you can't, you can't, no weapon formed against me would prosper. He goes, shut up and pull over the car. I want your wallet and I want this car. Shut. He goes, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. He was just, he guy thought he was nuts. He says, stop this car. Gets out of the car, grabs him by the shirt, puts him on the hood of the car and unloads the pistol at point blank range. Not one bullet hit the guy. He threw the gun and ran away. He was so freaked out. 
Terry Mize, you can look up that story on the internet. Man of God. The word of God. Those who put the word of God. Those who believe the Lord. It's like a shield around us. That each one of us here, if you're a believer, you have that inheritance. That we believe that this is true. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Just one more scripture. Write this one down, 138, 123. For you have magnified your word above your name in the day when I cried out to you. You answered me and made me bold with the strength in my soul. He's magnified his word above his name. We don't stick ourselves into these crazy situations. Let me test it out and see if it works. That's not the point. But when it comes our way, that we can call upon him in that time of trouble. And he'll back his word up because we have faith in him. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord.